Welcome to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a stimulating discussion of news and humor from a Jewish perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Rabbi Mendy. Bruchim aboyim, Welcome, Shavua Tov. I hope you had a good week, and I hope you will have a good week. As this beautiful week begins, to, not just a beautiful week, but tonight is the beginning of the new month of Shvat. Yesterday, on Shabbos. After the Torah reading, we stood up with the Torah at the Bima and we did a special blessing to bless the new month of Shavat, which begins tonight, Sunday night and Monday, is Rosh Chodesh, that it should be a month of blessing for each and every one of us. And as we said each of the blessings, everyone called out, Amen. Indeed, it should be a great month for everyone. So not just the week, should we start off the week in a good way? But also, this should be the beginning of an amazing month ahead. So let's start right in the beginning with a mitzvah. Guys, grab a yarmulke, put it on your head, or any other shmata that you can put on your head. A hat is also good. And everyone, please take your right hand and cover your eyes. And let's say it together. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuso Le'olam Va'ed If you have a coin or coins, please take your pushka and drop a coin into the pushka to start our week and our month as a more charitable one. So not only do we become more charitable, but then everything towards us becomes more charitable. And finally, if you have a drink of some sort, any kind of drink is good. Cold drink, a hot drink, maybe by now it's too late for a hot drink, especially if you're sitting in your car, whether you're traveling or watching others travel, whatever it is, grab a drink and let's say together a blessing, thanking God for this drink. Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Ha'olam Shehakol Nihiya Bidvaro Talking about people doing their jobs, you know, especially when it's connected to cars. So Morty Epstein was on the witness stand and he was testifying about a, uh, a car accident. And this is what the exchange took place between Morty Epstein and the attorney during that case. So the lawyer says to Morty, Sir, did you actually see the accident? So Morty says, yes, I did. And the lawyer says, how far away were you when the accident happened? He says, well, I was 31 feet, 6 inches, and 1 quarter of an inch. And the lawyer now, he's thinking he's going to be able to hop. You know, hop means he's going to trap him. He's going to trap Morty. He says, well, sir, will you tell the jury how you knew exactly the distance you were standing from the accident. And Morty says, because when the accident happened, I took out a tape measure and I measured it because I knew that some schnook lawyer like you would ask me that question. You know, if you think of good people, righteous people throughout the Bible, I'm sure you've come up with a lot of good names, going all the way back to Noah, 
Noach was a big tzaddik. This is a song that goes, Noach was a big tzaddik. Abraham, obviously, Moses, Joseph, all great, righteous, good, special people. You can go even further. King Solomon, the prophet Samuel, King David. That's biblical good people. But if I had to ask you, name the first evil person, um, you know, character in the Bible, there's a good chance that that the name that would pop into your mind would be Pharaoh. Paro. He's regarded as one of the most wicked people, the most wicked figures or characters that we have in the Bible. The simple reason is because he enslaved the Jewish people. And he, and he persecuted them and tortured them for hundreds of years. I don't know if people know that. The slavery of the Jewish people in Egypt was for some 210 years. But there's also a deep level of corruption in his characteristic, in his character. So let's go back to the story of Pharaoh. Let's go back a little bit in history. I'll give you a little history lesson here. Because we're talking about Pharaoh every week in our Torah portions since, you know, three weeks ago or so, four weeks ago. So let's go, let me give you a little bit of a history lesson here today. Joseph was sent down to Egypt. He became a slave. He became a prisoner. And eventually, after interpreting the dreams of Pharaoh, Joseph becomes the viceroy, the prime minister of Egypt. There's years, seven years of plenty, and then the years of famine begin, and Joseph's brothers and then his family all come down to live in Egypt. And now Joseph brings the righteous Jacob, the right his father, and he presents him to Pharaoh, introduces him to, to, to his boss. Boss, King Pharaoh, this is my dad, Yaakov Avino, or Yankiv, as Barry likes to say. And Pharaoh wants to be blessed by Jacob. So Jacob blesses him. And he blesses him with an unusual and an amazing blessing. He says that every time you walk over to the Nile River, the river will rise and approach you and overflow to the land. Now why was this such an important blessing? Because Egypt doesn't get a lot of rain and and their irrigation system was dependent on the Nile River. So when the Nile River overflowed, they had these little canals or pipes or whatever that would bring the water to the various fields so they can irrigate it and have vegetation. And that was the source of Egyptian livelihood. So the Nile was a very important place for the Egyptians. And this was a game changer. This blessing that, Pharaoh, that Jacob gave to Pharaoh was a game changer for the entire Egypt. Because it's God's benevolence that was bestowed onto Pharaoh at the, at, you know, as well, obviously, the Egyptian people came about because of the blessing of Jacob. Jacob gave the blessing. Pharaoh now reaped, Pharaoh and the Egyptians reaped the benefit. Now, in our history lesson, let's fast forward to the time of Moses. But at that point already, Jacob saw, I'm going to make up a number because I can't remember exactly, but about 150 years or 200 years earlier. And by the time Moses comes on the scene, Pharaoh already declares himself as a god. And why is he a god? Under what basis did people start believing that he's a god? Because every time he approached the Nile River, the river would overflow towards him. So if that's the case, he can determine, you know, the climate. He determines the livelihood of the, of the Egyptian people. You now people talk about uh, climate change. This was the ultimate climate change. When he showed up, he irrigated or didn't show up and didn't irrigate the land of Egypt. In fact, in the Torah that we read, it tells us how Pharaoh proclaims, My river is my own, Vani Asasini. And I 
made myself. I created myself. Isn't that the ultimate of chutzpah? If you need a translation of chutzpah, wouldn't you know? If you looked at the, uh, 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 um, a dictionary, a Webster dictionary, and and it had the word chutzpah, and they wanted to put a picture of someone who had chutzpah, wouldn't they put a picture of Pharaoh? You take the blessing from God, which was given to you through Jacob, claim it as your own, and then use that against the very descendants of Jacob. But this is Pharaoh. He's the ultimate ingrate. I think that's the right way to say that. Ingrateful. Instead of thanking God for this amazing blessing, instead of showing benevolence to the descendants of those who gave the blessing, he makes himself into a god and abuses the Jewish people. I sometimes wonder, are we that different? We all know that what we have is from the blessing of God. And yet, we often proclaim that our successes are due to our own brains, our own smartness, our own strength. We take the blessings from Hashem, we take the blessings from God that He gave us into our lives and essentially... We give voice to that same notion that Pharaoh did. My river is my own and I made myself. You ever hear the saying? I am a self-made man and I worship my creator. We easily and conveniently forget that it is God who gave us all these blessings that we have in our lives. Even when it comes to spiritual things, to good things like Torah study, or, or, or giving charity. We're often motivated by how the outcome will be that others will perceive us in a better way. So we study so that we can look you know, more scholarly between our friends. Oh, I know about this tractate in Talmud or I know this law about Shabbos. So that's why I'm studying so I can show off to people that I meet. Or we give charity so that other people will view us as a philanthropist. Oh, oh, Moshe, oh, he's so philanthropic. So the truth is, there's that little Pharaoh in every single one of us. And like the Pharaoh back, old, back then, that Pharaoh needs to be neutralized. That ego-driven ingratefulness needs to be neutralized. When we don't have gratitude to our source of blessings... We have to figure out a way how to find that gratitude. But the good news is we also each have a little Moses. We have a Pharaoh. We also have a little Moses inside of us. That Moses stands up to the Pharaoh and says, Let my people go so, they, so that they may serve me. A Moses who calls Pharaoh's bluff at the river, you see, because when Pharaoh used to go to the river, he went early in the morning. You know why he went early in the morning, just before dawn? Because, remember I said, he, thought he, he told everyone he was a god. He deified himself. A god doesn't have to use the facilities. He doesn't have to go, so to speak. So when he did have to go, he would go early in the morning when no one could see him. And Moses called his bluff. He showed up there early in the morning and said, ha! So that's what you, you're a god, but you do have to relieve yourself and that's why you're here so early in the morning so nobody can see. By the way, you know, we're talking now about Pharaoh and, 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 and the plagues and, and, and going out of Egypt. Next week's Torah portion, we're going to talk about going out of Egypt, but we celebrate it in a few months when we come back from Israel um, in April, the holiday of Passover. So it turns out that this year, brand new. You know, a lot of people, they eat matzah and they say they get constipated. So this year they came out with a brand new matzah. It's a whole wheat matzah fortified with Metamucil and it's going to be called you ready? Let my people go. Bada boom. Anyway, so Moses calls Pharaoh's bluff at the river. He shows, the, it shows him that he's just a regular dude like everybody else who's fully dependent on his natural needs 
and he's fully dependent on God's blessing. And as you know, the story has a happy ending. Moses leads the Jewish people out of Egypt. And our inner Moses leads us to freedom from our little Pharaoh inside of us. And it leads us to the path of the promised land so that we can have a meaningful and special relationship with God. Please enjoy Eighth Days, I've Got a Little Moses in Me. You know, they say when you have two Jews, you have at least seven opinions. Two Jews meet the seven opinions. Everyone has a thought to say, and usually the brilliant thoughts and ideas, and, and people give each other ideas. Some are solicited, some aren't. It's always wonderful. And, I, and, and today I want to hear from you. You know, a rabbi, he walks into a bar. He has a very, very long white beard. He has his tzitzis hanging out, you know, the whole package. And he has a frog on his shoulder. You know, this week we read about uh, the, the plague of frogs. He had a frog on his shoulder. So he's dressed like a Hasidic rabbi, and he's got a frog on his shoulder. The bartender sees this, and he goes, where'd you get that? 
And then the frog answers, Brooklyn. That's where they manufacture them by the dozens. Bada boom. So even the frog has a uh, an opinion on a subject. You know, everything happens by divine providence. And as we read the Torah portion yesterday, we read about the first seven plagues that God brought on uh, the Egyptians. And the second plague was the plague of frogs, right? You knew that. The first one, you remember the first plague? What was the first plague? The first plague was the plague of blood, where all the water in Egypt turned to blood. The second plague was that Egypt was um, inundated with millions and millions of frogs. Everywhere they went, there were frogs. Frogs here, frogs there, frogs were jumping everywhere, is the song that our children sing at Passover. Um, I don't know the whole song, so I'm not going to sing it, but that's the end of the song. Um, so, there were frogs all over the place. It's an interesting medrash that tells us that actually one frog, when, when, when uh, Aaron, Aaron, the brother of Moshe, uh, touched the water with the staff, one huge frog jumped out of the water, and then as they hit the frog, that one frog, frogs would come popping out of that one frog. It was miracle upon miracles, a bunch of miracles there. And just this week, the week we're reading the Torah portion, well, last week, when, in the week that we read this Torah portion, it was a story, a story that in um, the northern part of, of Australia, they found a giant cane toad believed to be the largest of its kind in the world and in history possibly. And they, they, they dubbed it Toadzilla. Toadzilla, it's this huge, I have a picture of it right in front of me here. It weighed as, like I said, a new world record of 2.7 kilograms. That's six pounds. And they found a, a park ranger in Queensland was take, going for a walk and found this huge frog. Now, I know when I told this over Friday night, um, people were saying, well, what's the big deal? It's six pounds. That's six pounds, not a lot. Do you know that many babies are, are just about six pounds or less when they're born? So it's pretty big. But also, they have here a little graphic where they show that most chickens are only 2.5 kilograms, their average. And this one was 2.7 kilograms. So it's a chicken may maybe, you know, three to five pounds that, you, you know, maybe under six pounds. And this one um, was six pounds. So it was big and it ended up being a danger because it was, I didn't understand why they euthanized it, but it turns out that it was a danger to the other wildlife um, because it uh, was poisonous and whatever. But I found that very interesting that by divine providence, that story happened on the same week when we were reading the Torah portion. So this world is, you know, it's a, a world record. And yet in the Torah portion, we're told about a big frog that came out of the water and then filled the entire Egypt with little frogs. Anyway, so I want your opinion now, not about frogs, although you're Jewish, so you can probably um, give an opinion about frogs too. We're Jews. We, ha we have an opinion about everything. So, you know, there was a discussion that broke out during uh, Shabbos, or as they say in, when you go to watch a hockey game. So a guy says, I, uh, I, was, I was on a street corner, and the fight, there was a fight at the corner. And then in the middle of the fight, a hockey game broke out. So on Shabbos, a discussion took place in Shul after davening about the Sunday Shmooze show, whether there is... Too much or too little music or songs on the show. Typically, we try to make a blend of, you know, insights, thoughts on what's going on around the world, what's going on in the Torah portion, some ways to enhance our own lives. We try to do that and interspersed with, <coughs> excuse me, with songs. You know, I try to keep a pretty good balance, but, you know, I am human and sometimes I may have uh, more talk and less songs. Sometimes more songs, less talk. Um, so I want to hear from you. Well, firstly, I want to know, did you feel that last week's show had too much music? And more importantly, is, is, is this the type of thing you like to hear and see? Because we'd like this show to be geared to you, the way you 
want the show to be because it is the schmooze. And the schmooze is not really fun if it's just the things that I want to do. So I want to hear from you. Do you like the type of music we're playing? Do you want to hear something else? Do you think the the um, the equilibri- equilibrium is good? You know, the right amount of song to the right amount of speaking. And more importantly, I'd really love to hear your thoughts about last week's show, if you remember last week. Was it uh, more or too much of one and less of the other? Because literally, in Shul, we had people say um, completely contradictory things. One person said it was too much, and one person said it was way too little. So I want to hear your opinion. Please email me at rabbi at Gat Chabad. So it's a, it's a big, tall order I have here. Because um, I want you now to write up for me an amazing uh, long email. One part of the email to tell me your thoughts about the show in general. Would you like? Do you like the the, the, the format? Would you like to see some sort of change? Um, and the second question was specifically about last week. Did you feel last week had um, too much music? Did you feel last week had too little music? Talking about writing. I, I, I saw this amazing story. As you know, this coming Shabbos, we're having a, well, if you don't know, you're going to know that now, we're having a special Hakel community Shabbos dinner. You see, once a month, we have a Shabbos dinner where we open it up to community members to join us. And being that this year is Hakel, the year of gathering, we decided to do an extra big one this coming Shabbos. And you're invited too, by the way. What you got to do is go to our website and uh, sign up to come for this Shabbos dinner. And this week specifically because next week, I mean, after following Shabbos, is Yud Shvat and Yid Shvat. Those are the days when we commemorate the passing of the previous Rebbe, known as the Friedeke Rebbe, the Yiddish word for the day brought to you by Kate's Financial Services. Friedeke means the previous Friedrich Yor, previous year. Friedrich Evoch means a previous week. Previous, anything previous is Friedrich. Can you say that? It's a hard word. It's a tongue twister. Friedrich. The previous Rebbe is the Friedrich Rebbe. He passed away on Yud Shvat in 1950. And then the Rebbe took over leadership of Chabad. And this coming week, after Shabbos, we're going to commemorate 73 years of the Rebbe's leadership. 73 years. 1950 to 19, uh, to 2023. And uh, so it's a good time to get together. Fabreng, we'll have speakers, we'll have l'chaims, we'll have good food. All the reasons to join us for this uh, Shabbos dinner coming up. But I want to tell you a story that after the previous Rebbe passed away, although the Rebbe, I'll say kind of, became the leader of Chabad, the Rebbe didn't officially accept it. The, didn't officially accept the leadership of Chabad until a year later at the yard site of his father-in-law. The first yard site of his father-in-law was the first time the Rebbe said an official Hasidic discourse which represented his, his acceptance of the leadership and as well said a, uh, actually gave the mission statement for this generation, the seventh generation of the Chabad Hasidic movement, its its mission statement is to bring about the coming of Mashiach. But I want to tell you this pretty fascinating story that I just heard today. There's a gentleman who's not a Chabad, from a Chabad community. His name is Yamtif Erlich. Yamtif Erlich was a an amazing composer of Yiddish songs. And maybe after I tell you this story, I'm thinking about this now. I'm going to try to find. Uh, while I'm talking and, and typing, I'll try to find a uh, song, one of his songs. He wrote, he was a Holocaust survivor, and he wrote Yiddish songs. Amazing, amazing songs. And uh, those who grew up in the uh, 50s, 60s, even 70s, knew of his songs. And then me, who grew up in the 70s, 80s, 90s, um, know of his songs because Avram Fried. Uh, made uh, at least two albums, Yiddish gems, gems from Yiddish songs, which were his songs, Yom Tov Erlich songs. So Yom Tov Erlich was, in, in 1950, he was an older bachelor. 
He still wasn't married. Like I said, he was a Holocaust survivor. So, he, you know, for many of them, it was hard to get married. And he was a, 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 an older bachelor, and he, he was looking for a shidduch, for a match. And uh, someone told him he should go visit the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So he says, what do you mean? The Lubavitcher Rebbe passed away. It was 1950, right after the previous Rebbe passed away. So they told him, no, 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 you can go to his son-in-law. His son-in-law, who was then known as the Ramash, which was an acronym for the Rebbe's name, go to him. You know, people go to him and ask him for blessings. So he showed up in Crown Heights, and he went into the Rebbe's office, and he told the Rebbe that he's looking for a blessing for a shidduch. So the Rebbe said, it's our custom, the Rebbe said, that we write down requests for blessings. When we ask for a blessing, we write it down. We don't just uh, ask it verbally. We actually write it down when we're asking a Rebbe for a blessing. So he sa- And the Rebbe said to Yom Tif, said to him, do you have a pen to write it down? If you want, I could write it down. Just, just I need a pen. So he checks his pockets, you know, he's fumbling in his pockets, in his jacket pocket, his shirt pocket. He says, no, I don't have a pen. So the Rebbe says, how about you go out of the room, go to the shul, and see if you can borrow a pen. So he goes out of the Rebbe's room. He walks into the shul upstairs in 770. And he sees a gentleman there. Also didn't look from Chabad. He, looked, he was dressed in the Polish Hasidic garb. And if you want to learn all about the different kinds of garb, especially because recently I had a discussion with one of our um, favorite listeners to the show uh, about the fact that there are different sects within the Jewish community and even within the Hasidic community, and, and you can oftentimes tell the difference by the way they dress. And truth be told, there's some difference in, in, in custom and in, in, in the things they stress. Some stress joy, some stress um, uh, the, the, the service of God through prayer, some do it through study of Torah. So obviously all Hasidic groups are filled with joy and prayer and study and mitzvahs but each Hasidic group might put a, an emphasis or a stress on, on one uh, level, one type of service of God. Anyway, so this guy was dressed in an obvious non-Chabad uh, dress. And he went up to me and said, do you, do you have a pen? I need to borrow a pen. The guy says, yeah, sure, here, here's a pen. So he, he, Yom Tevarlech takes the pen and goes back into the Rebbe's room. And the Rebbe takes a piece of paper. And the Rebbe starts writing, um, you know, the, 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 the request that this Yom Tevarlech needs a shidduch, etc. And then he hands the pen back to Yom Tevarlech. And Yom Tevarlech leaves... And he goes back and he gives the pen back to the gentleman who gave it to him. So the gentleman noticed that he walked out of the Rebbe's room with the pen. And he said to him, please, if you don't mind explaining, what just happened? As well, he told him, you know, I'm, I, I, I went in for a blessing and, and, and the Ramash, the Rebbe said to me, I should uh, get a pen so he could write it down. Get a pen so he could write it down? He says about the Rebbe, He's known, this person, this rabbi is known that he spends all day writing huge responsa on, 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 on great topics of Torah thought. He answers thousands of letters every day to people around the world with, you know, from the most mundane requests to the most spiritually uplifted requests. He obviously has a pen in his room. I wonder, this gentleman says, I wonder why he asked you to get a pen. So he says to Yom Tevarlech, please tell me if you don't mind me asking, what did you ask the Rebbe that he told you to come get a pen? So he says, well, I'm, I'm, as you can tell, I'm an older bachelor and I'm looking for a shidduch, I'm looking for a match, I'm looking to be able to date and get married. And I asked him for a blessing and he told me to get a pen so he can write it down. And then when the, the, it's when this, the, the penny dropped, as they say, he says, ah, okay, I get it. He says, my daughter is also an older, I think the word is bachelorette. She's also an older girl that hasn't been married yet and is looking for a shidduch. Perhaps you might be interested in meeting my daughter. And indeed, Yom Tov Erlich met this gentleman's daughter and they dated and then they got engaged and got married. Beautiful, beautiful story. And you can see that everything that Rebbe does and everything that Rebbe did was for a purpose. And in this case, the Rebbe's blessing to this gentleman was to meet 
to Yom Tevelech was to meet this gentleman so that the two of them could make the Shidduch. You know, the word for your mate, for your soulmate in Yiddish, another Yiddish word for the day, is Pashert. Pashert kind of means the one that's destined for you. And every one of us has a Jewish Pashert, somebody out there who's destined to be our soulmate. And God sets things up in a way that we should be in a certain place at a certain time or that somebody else should be in a certain place at a certain time to help us find a Bashert. And Bashert, while it's used typically for our match, you know, the one we're supposed to marry, truth be told, throughout life, we have things that are Bashert, things that are supposed to happen the way they do. We don't always notice it. We don't always appreciate the bashertness in it. But there's so many times when things just happen and you don't know why. Sometimes they're positive. Sometimes, unfortunately, they're negative events in our lives and we don't know why they happen. And we want to think to ourselves, Oy vey, this shouldn't have happened to me. Why me? And truth be told, it's bashert. It's the way God destined it to be. And oftentimes... We're able to see, we're given the blessing to be able to see what the positive and the special thing that was supposed to come out from it. The trick is not to give up and keep on moving. Just keep going. Keep doing what you got to do. Do another mitzvah. Do another act of goodness and kindness. And then you'll see how all the pieces fall into place. As Eighth Day likes to say, Keep on rolling. R-O-L-L-I-N. Keep on rolling. Don't let anything get in your way and you'll find the bashert in every part of your life. This song, Keep on Rolling, is actually connected to the Torah portion in two weeks from now. It's the Torah portion where the Jewish people are going to go over the, going through the sea, right? The Reed, Reed Sea, the Sea of Reeds or the Red Sea. And they're standing there, they have the sea in front of them, and they have the Egyptians chasing them from behind. So they left Egypt, and now they got to get to the desert so they can go receive the Torah. The Egyptians are chasing them from behind, the sea's in front of them, what to do. And four, you know, I said before, two Jews, seven opinions. Well, hey, you had three million Jews or so. So they had many opinions. But the Madras tells us there were four general opinions about what to do. Whether to go back to Egypt, surrender, whether to go, you know, uh, fight against them, you know, whether you're going to fight or pick up the white flag or to pray to God or jump in the water and commit suicide. That was the the four options when the Jews were standing at the um, riverbank, the Nile, not the Nile, the uh, Red Sea. And God says, I don't understand. He says to Moses, what, what are you talking about? He's sitting here and baiting back and forth. Speak to the people of Israel and go forward. You have a job to do. You have a mission to accomplish. That mission is to get to Mount Sinai and receive the Torah. Don't sit around over here quabbling about maybe we should do this. Maybe we should. Go ahead. You got you to get to the, to, the, to the promised land. Go do it. And then Nachshon ben Aminadav, the very brave Nachshon, walks into the water. And as he walks in, Moshe picks up his hand with a staff and the water splits. Miracle of miracles, the water splits and they go through and eventually receive the Torah at Mount Sinai. In our lifetimes, so often, we sit there and we get bogged down by questions and doubts of how and what. It's what the Rebbe told us. There's no time to sit and quabble about things that are so unimportant. We have a mission to accomplish. We need to bring about the redemption and the revelation of Mashiach. Go. Put on tefillin. Give tzedakah. Eat more kosher. Light Shabbos candles. Women, use a mikvah. Have more love for a fellow. Study Torah. 
There's so many things we can do to bring about the end of this exile. And most importantly, let's add an act of goodness and kindness so we can bring Mashiach now. Here's eighth day. Keep on rolling. Some say, turn around, turn around and fight them. Some say, close your eyes and pray. Some wave a big white flag, screaming with surrender. Some quit, calling it a day. Just keep on moving, roll it on. Don't stop for the ocean. Keep on moving, waters fade away. Just nothing about survival Some say Doesn't really pay Some hold on tight Screaming Can't change my nature Some say We just can't find our way Just keep on moving Roll it on Don't stop for the ocean Keep on moving Waters fade away Keep on moving Roll it on don't stop for the ocean stop, don't stop. Keep on moving till you find your way Staring down a barrel but I trust in him Waves are crashing but we're coming in Got my eye on the prize, won't stop for the lies I'll be running down this path till he opens my eyes Clouds are dark, I can't see a thing But I wait to see the light that my faith will bring Keep on moving, waters fade away Keep on moving, roll it on Don't stop for the ocean Keep on moving till you find your way Water's on my mind and I just can't swim The only way to win is to jump right in I'm staring down the barrel but I trusted him My waves are crashing and we're coming in Got my eye on the prize, won't stop for the lies I'll be running down the path till he opens my eyes Felt so dark I can see a thing But I wait to see the light that my faith will bring I hope you enjoyed that song I know I said I'm going to try to find uh, Some of Yom Tov Erlich's songs but I couldn't, you know, they say about men that men can't um, chew gum and cross the street at the same time. Uh, multitasking is not one of my best fortes. So I, I wasn't able to find a Yom Tevarlach song to play. But hopefully, maybe in a coming week, I will uh, play a Yom Tevarlach song in all Yiddish. And if I'm really lucky and I have time to figure it out, I'll find the translation and post it in uh, the email I send out before the show. Okay, important announcements for you to know. Number one, I said this coming Shabbos, we're having a delicious uh, Shabbos dinner. It's going to be for the entire community. Anyone who wants to join us, it's a Hakel Shabbos dinner. We're going to celebrate together Shabbos and the special Shabbos, the Shabbos when we'll be able to celebrate 73 years of the Rebbe's leadership. So it's this Friday, January 27th. Um, the schedule is kind of like this. We're going to light the candles. The women will light the candles at about 4.30 p.m. Uh, we'll have a short service and then followed by dinner at approximately 5.30 p.m. So if you want to join us for the special Shabbos 
and enjoy delicious, delicious food, fine wines, and mouth-watering desserts, go to our website, gachabad.com, G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com, and I want you to uh, register. Bring your whole family. It's adults, children, singles, couples, whatever. Elderly, join us for this special uh, Shabbos dinner. We'd love to see you and celebrate. Some of our boys will be back here to celebrate with us. So we want you to be here or be square. Also, Tu B'Shvat is coming up. You know what Tu B'Shvat is? Tu B'Shvat is the new year for trees. And on Sunday, Tu B'Shvat comes out on uh, Sunday night, Monday, um, February 6th. But on Sunday, February 5th, we're having a special program for children called the Kids Tu B'Shvat Resort. It's a luxury spa for a kid's soul. And if you want to join this program, it begins at 11 a.m. on Sunday, February 5th. You have children, grandchildren you want to bring to this, go right ahead. Again, gotchabad.com, G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com, and click on the banner on top, either for the Shabbos dinner we just talked about, or for this Tubishvat resort. And the whole uh, focus of trees and, and, and nature will take center stage, we'll have a natural soap uh, studio, we'll have a tea room where the kids will be able to make fruity teas, they'll make wholesome snacks at the uh, gourmet granola ga- cafe and take part in full body breathing work at the health spa, all this takes place at the Chabad House Jewish Center Sunday, February 5th at 11am you got to reserve if you want to join Okay, it's not expensive to join, it's very cheap but you got to reserve and then we're going to have a hamantash bake on Sunday, February 26th at 11 a.m. You, you know, Hamantashen. What? Purim? Yes. Purim is coming up. It's not that far off. Because from Tubishrat to Purim is exactly four weeks. So if you want to join us for the Hamantash Bake, again, it's on our website, gotchabad.com. G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com. Let me ask you something. You seem like an intelligent person. Do you know what chat GPT is? Chat GPT. You know what that is? I know some of you are shaking heads. Yeah, I know what that is. Okay, for those of you who don't know, chat GPT is an AI robot. And it's it can write anything. So you can, you can ask it to write a movie script. And it'll write a movie script. Shakespearean style plays. Um, you can even ask it for a guide on how to weed your garden. Whatever you want. You can ask it and it'll, it'll type up a, a thing. And it's AI, uh, you know, artificial intelligence. It's kind of like if you have an iPhone, you have Siri, and you ask Siri a question, it'll answer the question to the best it can. It basically, it searches the web. This is a, you know one step or ten steps higher than that. So not only does it search the web for information, but it also does a good job at writing up stuff. So... Um, a friend of mine told me that he, he uses it. It's, it's, you can go to the website. I think it's called um, uh, chat.openai.com or something like that. And, and, and you can type in any question, and it's going to give you a thing. So he logged onto the system, and he asked the robot to write an article about Moses translating the Torah into 70 languages. Now, I'm, I'm talking to you about this today because tonight... As I mentioned earlier, tonight is Rosh Chodesh, the new month of Shvat. And 3,333 years ago or so, give or take some, a year or two, the Jewish people were in the desert. God gave them the Torah. It's now just over a month before Moses' passing. And Moses translates the Torah into the 70 languages of the time. And that happened on Rosh Chodesh Shvat. So tomorrow is the anniversary of that event, 3,335 years ago. So this is what the uh, chat GPT came up when he said, write an article about Moses translating the Torah into 70 languages. It said the following. According to Jewish tradition, the Torah, which contains the five books of Moses, was originally given to the Jewish people in the Hebrew language. However, as the Jewish people began to disperse and settle in different parts of the world, they began to speak different languages. 
in order to ensure that all Jews, regardless of their language, could feel connected to the Torah and the teachings it contains, Moses translated the Torah into 70 different languages. Now I'm asking you, before I tell you what I, tell the, what I should tell the robot, I ask you, did the robot get that correct? Did Moses translate the Torah into 70 languages because the Jews were being dispersed at that point? I hope you answered that the robot was wrong. Moses didn't translate the Torah when the Jewish people were being spread worldwide. In fact, when Moses translated the Torah, all the Jews were there together in one location and going to go into one location, they were just about to enter into the Holy Land, into the land of Israel. It happened, as I mentioned, just about five weeks before Moses' passing. And he gathered all the Jewish people and he taught the Torah in 70 languages. So my friend tells me that Robot continued, It is also believed that translating the Torah into different languages helped preserve the Jewish faith and culture, allowing it to be passed down from generation to generation in a way that was accessible to all. And you should know that's wrong again. So the AI is pretty smart, but not smart enough because no record has been preserved of the translation that Moses gave for future generations. He taught it to them in the 70 languages, but there's no record of it. It wasn't written down in the 70 languages. It was a one-time thing. It wasn't, you know, written down and now, you know, 500 or 2,000 years later, the Jewish people could pull out the French version that Moses taught. We don't have the French version or the Egyptian version or the, or the Moroccan version or the Arabic version or the Yiddish version or the English version of the Torah that Moses taught back then. So, you know, this chat GPT is good, but if you want to write something up about the Torah, you probably have to figure it out on your own. But here's the question. The chat GPT makes sense. Moses would translate the Torah in order so that when the Jews are dispersed, they can have the Torah in the language of where they live. But if there was no record of it, and we don't have the translation that Moshe taught back then, what was the point? Why did Moses teach the Torah in 70 languages just before he passed away? What was the purpose of that? Most of the Jews didn't even understand those languages. And the Rebbe offers a beautiful explanation. So, AI robot, GPT, chat, correctly explained that the Torah was given in Hebrew. Well, not in Hebrew as many of you are learning now as you're preparing for the trip to Israel in March. So you're learning modern Hebrew words but actually, it was, it was written in Lashon HaKodesh, ancient Hebrew, or also translated as the Holy Tongue. Because the Hebrew word for the day brought to you by the Armenians, Lashon HaKodesh. Lashon means tongue or language. HaKodesh means the Holy One. It's the Holy Language. So it was all written. The Torah was given to us in Hebrew. So it could have created the perception that the only way to study Torah is to learn it in the original language, in the original Hebrew. When Moses translated the Torah into other languages, what he was doing was he was elevating all translations to be considered part of the Torah. From that point forward, whenever you study Torah in any language, you connect to God and to the holiness of Torah. So today's day, when you open up the Chayenu, and you study in English, you're connecting to God and to the Torah. You study in French, you're connected. You study in Canadian, uh -huh. is there such a language? Whatever, some might say that there's a Boston language and there's a, a New York language. Whatever language you study in, you're connecting to the Torah and through that, connecting to God. So after all of that, let me conclude the story that my friend told me that he that he, you know, he wrote on this uh, chat GPT, he wrote, you're not very helpful. And the chat responded, as Siri does often, 
I apologize if my answers were not helpful. Is there anything else I can help you with? So he said, he said, can you make me coffee? He says, I'm sorry. I'm an AI language model and I don't have the capability to make coffee. However, I can provide you with instructions on how to make coffee if that would help. So he wrote back to him, this was last week, he wrote back to him, I wish you a Shabbat Shalom. To which it responded, thank you, thank you. Have a peaceful and restful Shabbos. So at least the AI knows a little bit of Hebrew. If it doesn't know exactly the history of the Jewish people or the history of the Torah, it does know a little Hebrew. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You have the ability to follow through, keep rolling, and follow through to your mission to to find your bashert in every part of your life. And the bashert of all of us, the coming of Mashiach, and we do that through connecting to God through the Torah, study of Torah, doing mitzvahs in any language that we do as our page announcers in Shul, whether it's Jack or Aaron or Richie or Barry, whoever's doing the page announcements always announces before we start the Amida. Remember, God understands all languages. So if you feel more comfortable with the English, please feel free to utilize it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me. I know we started late, but we did it. And I hope you enjoyed the show. And remember, your next deed will change the world. So make it a good one. L'chaim! You've been listening to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. For more information on the Chabad House, including upcoming events, adult programs, Hebrew school, and more, visit gotchabad.com. That's G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com. Shalom.